people will do what they want to do and so should you. Hold your own and do the things you want to do and that's really where I encourage women to come from. Do what you need to do. Like you said, we have now. Let's not live a life of regret. Do the thing you want to do and just go for it. Hello there and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. I am your host and I am so, so proud to be your host of this show because I have so much fun. It's it's really a privilege for me to, to be that person for you, serving you, bringing you great people. Uh, and on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming author, RN, health coach, personal trainer, and podcaster, Lee Forrester. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me here today, Nick. It's absolutely a pleasure to have you here, Lee. Now, today we're going to be talking about your new book called Kippers and Capes, in which mm -hmm. we take a deep dive into the plight of young nurses, past and present. And we're going to be discussing the differences in US and UK culture, professional practice, and how these differences can impact nursing styles, as well as your website and all the work you're doing at becoachedbylee.com. So before we do any of that, Lee, it's customary for us to spend a few moments learning a little bit about you. So tell us where you calling in from so i'm on the west coast of the u.s i'm in california although that's not my starting place but that's where i am right now oh yeah. okay when you say not your starting place what what do you mean by that you've, you've only moved there recently or i know i've been here for a good while i'm from the uk originally so i'm a uk transplant uh, as are many, yes, and far my way to the West Coast, which seemed like a good place to settle. And that's a big part of today's conversations uh, regarding your book, isn't it? Because there's differences in cultures for RNs between uh, the two countries. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be looking, taking a deep dive into that. But um, in your location now, how long have you been there? I've been here 20 plus years. Time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. And you're having fun. Yeah. So what do you like doing there? What, what's your hobbies? Do you have any pastimes that you enjoy? I, I like being outside as much as possible. I like the outdoors. I like, you know, we have, for the most part, apart from recent times, really fantastic weather. And we're very fortunate. There's lots of places to hike and just to be outside. And just, you know, there's lots of things to see. We're, we're very fortunate. There's a lot of things to see and do here. And there's something pretty much for everybody, I feel. Yeah, there's going to be a bit of a contrasting experience for me because I don't know much too much about the UK. Tell us a little bit about the differences in weather because from what, what I understand, uh, they're chalk and cheese. You're right. So, you know, like right here, apart from just recently when we've had unusually bizarre weather, you know, you can plan to be doing things outside. They don't normally say depending on the weather, whereas in the UK, <laughs> yeah. it's always going to depend on the weather. And it's very hard to plan something for outdoors, even in the summer. Uh, <laughs> summer's going to be beautiful, but one never knows. You just you never know. For everything. <laughs> if you want to play the lotto, you play it there. That's for sure. It's certain. Exactly. Now, I love a movie. Do you enjoy movies? I love movies. I haven't watched too many recently, but I, I have some favorites, yes. I tell you, I, I found that, uh, I guess, in the recent times where we were locked down at home, that I, uh, I, I fell in love with Amazon Prime. Do you, do you watch it at home when you do watch a movie, or do you enjoy I, actually I going to the cinema? I'll watch it, I'll watch it home. Mm -hmm, fantastic. Now, music. I love music. Do you love music? All sorts of music. Fantastic. Now, I, I can only assume that uh, you have music uh, in the background when you're doing all of your, uh, I guess, your fitness side of your life, which you're going to take a, a, a deep look at in a moment. But um, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to the UK where you grew up. Where exactly mm -hmm. was it that you grew up? And tell us a little bit about what life was like as a child. 
Yeah, you know, I call it a small town where nobody goes unless they really had to. It was neither. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd be passing. Actually, it's a pretty nice town. People are very salt of the earth kind of people, very down to earth, a very homely kind of, of town. Yeah. Um, kind of small town feel. I walked to the local school. So you lived and went to school pretty much with kids in your neighborhood, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, life was good and life was pretty simple, it seemed. And, uh, you know, there's a corner shop pretty much everywhere. So you can get your as much candy and sweets and chocolate as you could stomach <laughs> on the way to school and on the way back home again. So did you have the same sort of lifestyle that many of us had growing up where, you know, the, the time to be home was the streetlights coming on? Well, mine was more restricted than that. I had very, very strict parents, Aww. so it didn't matter what the lights were doing. I needed <laughs> to make sure I find myself in in the house. In those formative years, we all go through this, and this is great for context for because people, you know, we know that behind businesses there are people running those businesses, and, and understanding your story is a big part. So I re- really appreciate you uh, sharing your story with us. Now, in those formative years, those earlier years. Um, I guess most of us at least have somebody in their life that they look to and got had guidance from and and really helped them to to develop in the person they are today. Did you have anybody like that? You know, I would have to say definitely my dad um, was very inspiring to me and and my school teachers, school teachers. Ah. And I found this to be very much the case with other people I've listened to, athletes and what have you. Teachers don't seem to get forgotten. You can remember their name and what they taught you and um, many characteristics about them. So I would, think, I would say teachers and people in the community, long before this whole, um, what was it, what was the phrase you used for this image, this person that was, that guided you, mm. it wasn't from TV. It was people you knew in yeah. the community. Yeah, absolutely. Great feedback. Thank you very much. Now, I don't like getting up too early in the morning. Are you an early riser? Tell us a little bit about your day. What's it look like? Well, I don't know if I'm an early riser, but I do get up early. So <laughs> I do get up <laughs> I get up early and I run, uh, you know, I'm on a social media platform where I'm speaking early. And I do that because of the time difference. A lot of it is before my day gets started. Yeah. I can do that and be talking to people on the East Coast in what is, which is business hours for them. And also, it's just a way to get things done. If you feel like you don't have enough time, you just got to get up earlier. That's just all there is to it. We can't make time. So if you get up earlier, you kind of kind of buy time, which is a beautiful thing because you can get stuff struck off your list, and it might only just be breaking day. So yeah, I wow. like that about it. That's some sage advice there. You know, a lot of people go, oh, I might do it later. I'll get up or I'll wait till tomorrow. And tomorrow, tomorrow never really comes, does it? No. You, you just go. gotta you gotta bite it and just do the thing and get up and then and it feels so uh you feel so accomplished when you get things done and mm. i wouldn't naturally get up early but there's just something to be said for getting stuff done just, just get it going you know there's there's plenty of time to sleep later on now how important is it for you to have some downtime some relaxation time do you find any any free time for that I do. I do carve out that time for self-care, which is very important. I'm very driven and I like to get things done. And I need to remind myself as I coach others to take care of yourself. So I I do prioritize my self-care every single day. But I also, I, I have to say I'm pretty driven and I just want to feel like I'm getting stuff done and accomplishing things. Yep. But I will exit left a little bit at the weekends and just like, you know what, it's okay to take some time off. It really is. Go outside, get a walk, go for a nice meal, what have you, uh, go to a show and have a laugh, whatever the situation is. 
it, it's it's all balance. It's it's super important. So I'm all about that. Thank you again. Now this is a bit of a two-sided uh, conversation today. On one side, we're going to be talking about the book, and then the other side, mm-hmm. uh, your background in the fitness uh, fitness space and and the people that you work with. So in terms of your um, early morning routine, do you have a fitness regime? What what do you do? So my my regime in the morning is more about um, mindfulness more than my physical activity. I do right. train people in the morning. Tomorrow morning, I'll train a lady here. In my time, I'll train her at 6 a.m. because in her time zone, it's 9 a.m. Uh-huh. So I do that before my work day, and I actually love that. It's so exciting because then I go off to my you know my next venture, and I'm I'm already super energized. Maybe uh, too much for the people I'm around, but you know, <laughs> like ooh, I'm ready to go. Um, right i am revved up and fired up and i tell people like and i said and this is pre-coffee actually coffee needs me oh goodness so, <laughs> <laughs> um but the, part of my morning routine is also i've practiced in the last probably within the last years to get up and have some quiet time some uh, mindfulness time a little bit of meditation to be focused and intentional about how I want my day to go, how I want my life to go. So that's really been a relatively new-ish practice, but it's it's incredible because, you know, what you think about, as I say, does come about. So that's something I've been doing in recent months. Now, I have a, a question for you in terms of hydration. Yeah. hydration. Do, yes. you, do you, you see these uh, um, drinks that you, you, you know, these energy drinks and these uh, uh, bottles of water with whatever is in it? What do you think? Water or uh, those energy drinks for... Um, workouts I would say water if I'm going to have something in my water I'll put my own electrolytes in Uh, there so I can vouch for that I know what it is yeah do read the ingredients and see what what you're getting yeah electrolyte water is pretty good or having the correct pH water is good and definitely water before coffee Ah, there you go (laughs) I might need to change my morning routine to meet that one I think (laughs) now what have you learned from taking a chance I know that you've written a book and and we're going to talk about that in a moment but it just occurred to me to ask this question what have you learned from taking a chance you know you were a registered nurse and and you spent many many years in that field um but you at some stage decided you know what I'm going to take a chance on myself and how did that feel you you know I you have to be in tune with yourself and Mm. there was times towards the end of my nursing years where I knew there was something else I wanted and I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but I knew there was something else. There was always something more that I wanted. And I would stand there in the middle of a, a unit sometimes in the in a patient's room and I was and I was like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Okay, what are you doing here? So I had to do some really some uh, inside work and decide, you know, and then I also went through a very uh, I would say a traumatic life experience, which really jolted things mm. and had me really take stock of my life and look look back and say, if if your life was changing or, you know, to be uh, kind of grim for a minute, if you <laughs> knew that this was it towards the end of your life, what would you want to have done differently? What would you be happy about and what would you have a regret about? And if that's something you can change, then you should do that thing. And having gone through a major event in life makes you think and realize, well, you know what? If I can deal with this, then I can deal with other things that I've actually chosen. So sometimes you roll the dice. I've rolled the dice on some things that didn't turn out quite as I planned but I've learned a lot about myself. You get yourself up, dust yourself off, yep. and um, and 
and move forward and do something else and just keep failing until you find where you need to be. And yes, that does, that's a little risky, granted, mm-hmm. but, um, but I don't have any regrets about it. What do they say? Nothing ventured, nothing gained? Right. Now tell me, I know that as a registered nurse that you would have confronted a death many times. Mm. Does, it, do you, does it become something that I guess is so uh, almost omnipresent around someone who does your line of work, or at least did, and do you become um, normalized to it? Or does it remind you each and every day, hey, look, we are on a limited time, time frame right. here? It, I never got used to it in that it was familiar, but always appeared, it was always weird. Yeah, it was always it always was weird. It was never, never just oh another person died. And oftentimes, if they were in there for any period of time, you got attached to that person, mm. and you felt that loss for the family. You felt you grieved. You still grieved. There were occasions where, you know, I there was one nurse I remember particularly, and she was just sobbing. And I was like, what happened? What somebody she'd grown attached to that was a patient had died. We'd seen it many times, but we still because of the nature of who we are and the job that we do, we still care. Mm, we course. still feel. Mm. And it's it's still sad. It's still, yeah, we're sorry to see people go. And there are people that have gone on, people that I was with them in their last moments, and I'll, I'll never forget them. Never forget them. Now, I can, you know, I often hear um, feedback that you need to be a, a certain type of character, mm-hmm. a certain type of person for you to be able to be in the emergency services and in, in um, healthcare and um, in your line of work. Would that be fair? I would I would say so and it does it does draw those empaths it does tend to be those types of people and people are you're dealing with human beings it's not a package it's not a box everybody's unique mm-hmm. and we connect with people and I still have great stories in my mind of some of those interactions with those individuals and and as bringing a baby into the world when people are leaving this I know it sounds bizarre but it's kind of an art to it yep and there's something to be said for allowing people to go with dignity, with as little pain as possible, and just making it the best you can for them and their family members who are often in attendance. I know you've shared so much about this experience uh, for yourself thus far, but I'm wondering if there was one thing that you had to pick out mm. of all of it during those years as a nurse, what, what's one mm. thing that's, uh, that your experience in that field taught you about yourself, do you think? Yeah, you know what, just that we can connect. I've, I've learned I can connect with lots of different people, no matter age, stage, walk of life, background. We can become kind of like a chameleon and adapt to who we w- we're with. Mm-hmm. And that I, I think even though I left that field, I still love the human connection. I loved finding out about people. So who are you when you're not here with such and such a illness? What, who are you? I loved finding out about people, yeah. uh, especially older people. What did you used to do? Who were you? What did you do? What did you re- do before you retired? And I just was curious, kind of loved asking questions and, and la- allowing them to see that I saw them as a whole person, not just a disease. You know what? You've touched on something that's really near and dear to my heart is that you look into the wisdom of the eyes of an old person mm-hmm. and you cannot buy the experience. There is so much. Uh, I guess they are the sum total of their entire life experience and they're sitting right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Were you ever in awe of people like that? You know, I really love older people. I mm. just, there's something about them. There is, you know, where I live, there's a little bit of, well, I think there's a little bit of ageism that goes on. Mm-hmm. But 
I would find that older people, I thought they were cute. Yeah. And they would just say sometimes the funniest things. There was so much wisdom. <laughs> and if you just took the time to listen, right, just took the time to listen to some of their stories, their life experiences, where they grew up, how they got to be, who they were, what part of the country they came from. And there's just so much to learn. And um, we're all, you know, no matter what age you are, we're the same person inside. The outside changes, but we're still the same person. And I would like them to know that I saw them as a person, as a, whoever they were, that whoever you were, 25, 65, 85, you're still you inside. And so I think I connected with that side of people. I tell you what, I have to reflect on myself. I feel like a kid in a man's body. I don't think we ever really grow up, especially. Right. Do you think it's important to stay vital that, in that regard? 100%. I'm all about, as I coach women particularly, just don't give up on who you are mm. and buy into society's ideas that we're getting old, I can't do this. I've been told I'm a, a full, full-grown child, and I take... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love and it. I, and I love that, especially growing up in what felt like a very restrictive home. Mm. Now I get to be a big kid and, and have fun and do what I want to do and be silly and be okay with it. And you're the boss. Now tell me, um, we're going to shift gears and talk about the book and, and, the, mm -hmm. and the core parts of it. And part of that was the plight of nurses. Tell me a little bit about what that plight actually is and uh, I guess historically and present day. Yeah, you know, back when I was a nurse, and to some extent still now, it was more, it was, compared to the US, it was definitely more formal. Mm -hmm. It almost felt a little military in, in ways, and the formalities, the, the statuses, the ranks, the uniforms, who could address whom and when. It was, it was quite funny in some ways, but quite strict. We worked really, really hard, learned a lot. But there were some rich experiences from that time that I'll never forget. And it's interesting because uh, U.S. patients have often asked me if I trained in the U.K. And they'd say things like, oh, those are the best trained nurses. And they seem to appreciate that I was British trained. I don't know wow. if that's just a fairy tale or the Britishness that they thought was whatever they thought it was, but I seem to get a little elevation from the patients when they realize I was British trained. Very good. Now tell me, is the, um, is the educational system uh, different from one country to the other? It is a little bit. And at that time, um, I think we got a lot more practical experience than the nurses did here. They got a lot more theory. Mm. And, um, but either way, in both places right now, it's, it's an intense course naturally there's much to learn um i wouldn't want to do it again put it that way but it's a very rich experience and it's a job you can do pretty much anywhere in the world and there's so many options that come as a result of that education so i'm glad i picked it and i'm glad of the opportunities it has lent my way as a result uh, along the way but it would also make you feel really quite wonderful when when you know your patients and other staff members showed gratitude for the work you're doing would that be fair and how do they make you you feel inside it, it does it, it it's it's a hard job right mm, you mm. you really have to have passion for that you really have to have a love for that it's one of those jobs that you go in with heart and you you give and give of yourself in so many ways in ways you never thought possible to be honest mm. and it's a very rich experience you meet people from all walks of life and just to know that you can have a huge impact on somebody's life and uh, healing and just speaking to someone and connect to someone on a very such a personal level 
and you know looking into people's eyes maybe holding their hand giving mm-hmm. them support and reassurance um it's pretty incredible that i could be a part of that well thank you very much for your feedback absolutely loving the call now in terms of the book how long did it take for you to write it <laughs> you know it didn't take too too long because those stories were running around in my head running around and i thought <laughs> finally i must put these i must put these thoughts to paper so i can release them from my brain but um there were stories that wouldn't leave me and i thought i just need to write these down and so i started putting pen to paper and then once it started it just came pouring out because i remember some of those things so vividly and then as i got writing more things would come to my mind and more things could come to my mind and um i thought if nothing else to share with my children and family members and whomever fellow nurses for sure um so it wasn't too hard to write it because the stories were fairly fairly present in my brain and uh, just wanted to share that with the world, you know, whatever becomes of it, I I took great pride in that part of my life. And I think it's one of those things we keep saying, I must, one of these days, yes, one of these yes. days, then <laughs> make it today and do the thing already. I love that uh, the attitude towards life, you know, you've, you've got now and that's all we've got really, isn't it, in terms of getting things done. Now, when you were writing the book, how did you go about compiling it? And was there power mm. in the pen or are you a typer? powering the pen i'm a handwriting person and mm-hmm. i can if if i could get my hands to go as fast as my brain that would be fantastic <laughs> yeah, <did I. laughs> so it, it came a flowing because it was right there and it was with passion and excitement yes. and um those were rich times there were rich times good times and um yeah, from the very get-go, from going for the interview and the woman saying that we want we want you here and going home so exciting, bursting with energy to tell my mom, I got in, I got <laughs> in. It's such a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. So inside the book, it's, a, I guess, a, a culmination of a, a number of shorter stories. Is that the way Correct. the book's, book's constructed? It's it's a lot of short stories, little little vignettes of things that I remember, mm-hmm. and and a bit of a comparison between then and the UK, and when I got here. So not so much now because so much has changed, but also when I arrived here and how things were so uh, so different. I still worked very hard. That bit wasn't different. I still worked like crazy, but um, just the approach that the the mindset that things were a little bit more relaxed here, um, and so the comparison was kind of cool. And uh, it was a grand time. I missed home, but I was glad for the opportunity. And it was something I'd wanted to do, actually, since I was, when I was 15 years old, I made a decision. I was in high school yet when I said, I'm going to become a nurse and then I'm moving to America. I don't know how, don't know when, but that's my life's goal. That's what's going to happen. Now, in terms of, I guess, the technical structure of a book, um, Mm -hmm. when when you contrast that with the the beauty and the art, I guess you'd call it, of storytelling. How, mm-hmm. how much better do you think you've become as a writer in terms of when you focus on it as a story? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's definitely still, I'm definitely focused on the story writing aspect because, you know, read it back to yourself and see what does it sound like because you've got to also make sure that people fully I'm a very visual person yeah. so make sure when you're saying the words and the way that you put them together that somebody gets a word picture pop up yep. and can picture that thing make it really clear because they're not there you cannot assume they know, they know what you mean so make it very vividly clear so they get they pause from it and think hmm I can no, see I that it. yeah when did you actually know that the book was finished 
That's a good question. Because <laughs> I find it hard to know. <laughs> That's a great question. Actually, the other day I was like, wait, I remember something else. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't put that in. It, it's going to be oh. war and peace if I keep adding to it. Right? And so I, I think I just let it rest a little bit, put the pen down, and over time. So I didn't rush it. It's not like I must write it this week. Mm-hmm. As things came to my mind, I would write it down. And then I and then I contacted somebody who's going to help me formulate it and put it together and look into publishing, etc. But that's a good question. I think when when I, I, I had the feeling that like, okay, you're done now. This is good. This is good. You're a morning writer or uh, just when you can type a writer? Just when I can, I'm, I go with go with the flow. So yeah. if I have a moment and I'm feeling it now, this is the time. Go for it. Do that thing. Write it. But I don't force it. If I'm sitting out with a pen and nothing's coming, then now is not the time. So as we transition away from the book, do you plan to write a, another book? Is there something in the wings? I plan to write more books, not necessarily nursing-based, but mm-hmm. more along the lines of what I do uh, currently in terms of coaching and nutrition and health and all those kind of things. I I've got some uh, ideas there. Some of it goes back to childhood because that's where my story with with health and and what have you began. That kind of triggered things. So I'm going to talk about some of those internal things that us, particularly as women, are not always happy to talk about. But I I want to just bring it out and make it okay to talk about those things. Fantastic. Absolutely. That's a great transition into the next part of our our, uh, discussion together today, Lee. Now, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with coaching and uh, I guess a little bit about it. You know, it's interesting with the coaching and, and, and personal training. I think I was one of the last people to know that that's what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think others around me already knew that. I, I realized that it came to a head one time. I was in a, a boot camp class. I was on the floor. We were doing a last minute stretch before we ended the class. They needed a sub and I was next to the, the, the person who was leading the class. And if anybody, you know, we, we need somebody to replace such and such at such a time. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the big circle looked at me. I'm like, what are you all looking at me for? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. what's what's going on? But um, one thing led to another. I, I started working with a company that was training um, and nutrition coaching. I was also involved for many years with a boot camp where I was the client. I was taking the classes, but it became ah. very apparent over time that this might be my my area that I could really grow and excel in. So it just became a natural thing. And it's a place that I just felt like empowered and it got to be exciting. And then I wanted to do more. What else can I do? And how faster can I go? How much stronger can I get? Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize that women, especially in their 40s and plus, 40s, 50s, and that's who I work with, right. are also at a time in their life where they don't feel that power and passion and and don't necessarily feel that they can um, get beyond where they are. And so one thing led to another. And um, I, I think that's where it was for me, is just realizing that I want other people to feel good. And it's very hard to just keep that to yourself. Why wouldn't you want to share that? Absolutely. Now, you, you talked about earlier being in different time zones. And so mm. you, you work, what's the modus operandi? Can it be face-to-face as well as online? Is that how it works? Totally. So I do both. I trained a lady in person at her home this morning. So I do have clients. I go to their home. Mm-hmm. Most people have either a gym or space outside. And mostly the weather is such that we can be outside. I have trained people in a park before if their home wasn't suitable. Mm-hmm. Um, I have equipment. And so we make it work wherever we are. That's that's the whole point is you don't need a whole bunch of stuff. 
It doesn't need to be complicated. You just need to move. Yes, fantastic feedback. How does that actually make you feel when, you, you, when you're observing, you're watching the actual transformation of people that you're working with? You know what? Super exciting. It, it warms my heart. And it's it, it kind of like being back in the hospital or nursing. There's different ways to care for people. Yep. I'm still caring, but in a different way. And I love to see the growth. I love to see them get stronger. It, it, it warms my heart when, they, when they're feeling more confident and they're making leaps and bounds. And it's, it's literally, it's exciting. It is so, ex- I get really excited to get there and to get them through a session and have them feel better. I just love it. We talked about the sum total of uh, a person's experience being right in front of you at that moment mm-hmm. in time. When you, when you meet a new client, uh, they might have a number of different fears and beliefs mm-hmm. about themselves. What would you say to them? What's, what's, I guess, what's the thing that you want to know um, first up about them when you first meet them? Yeah, good question. I want to know what they want for them. It doesn't have to be my ideal. How mm. do you see yourself? What do you want to, you're going to want to go from here, wherever you see yourself and whatever limitations you feel you have and where would you like to go? Likely will go beyond there, but sometimes fear holds a person back and they say, I just want to be able to do this. I just want to be able to lose this amount of weight. I know they want to lose more, but it's a safety net. You go from one, one lily pad to the next. Yep. Let's make the first leap and, and just get her comfortable and give her the confidence in herself that she can make change and she can grow and get the things that she wants. And I I get her and I know that the limitations she may have in her mind. So it's really about what do you want is what I want to know from her. Where do you see yourself? And then depending on how the conversation might go, I might ask her if there were no limitations whatsoever based on, and obviously I can't make you taller, there's things we can't do, (laughs) but within the realm of possibilities, there were no limitations where would you really, really want to go? And what would you really, really want to do? It makes me think about social media and the impact it has on body image when, I guess, mm-hmm. young, uh, younger women look at themselves and there's, there's this ideal. Uh, I think there's a positive space for social media, but talk to us a little bit about the downsides of it. Right, because we're only seeing also the end of somebody's journey maybe or when Mm -hmm. they've reached a certain pinnacle. We don't know how long they've been doing this, how much work they've put into this, how many years they've put into this. And that's why I encourage women. I say, you know, think about where you want to be six weeks, six months, two years, five years, because it really is. I know it's an overused word, but it really is a journey. It's not a sprint. And so when you're looking at these folks, there's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know necessarily about their um, uh, their background, how much of this, what part genetics might play in this, and all of those things. People might get put off when they see my pictures. I'm like, but I've been doing this a long time. Long time. Yep. I've been working on my body for a long time, and I continue to do so. So I feel like I represent women, and I make a point of mostly only showing them movement patterns or exercises as it were, not using any equipment, something you can do in your house, because I don't want you to have those things to hold you back. You don't want to go to the gym, doesn't matter. You don't have any equipment, it doesn't matter. Let's just use your body in short spaces of time. You've got five minutes, okay, this is what you can do in five minutes. Let's make it realistic and doable. That's really what I'm about. Do you find that um, the people that you, I guess, hang around 
um, have a major impact on the way your clients see themselves? And uh, what happens if they're in that position where they're around somebody who says a little bit negative about it? Right. You know, and sometimes I, I point out to people, it probably says more about them than it says about you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like people say, they'll say something to you, but really it's a question to themselves. Like, you want to go there? You're traveling to where? Mm-hmm. You're wearing that? Yep. It's really it's really them asking themselves. They need reassurance. It's really not that much about you. And so, you know, people will do what they want to do, and, and so should you. And so hold your own and do the things you want to do. And that's really where I encourage women to come from. Do what you need to do. Like you said, we have now. Let's not live a life of regret. Do the thing you want to do and just go for it. Just do it. It's great feedback. Now, how important is maintaining focus during your weight loss journey? Should, um, should people have a plan? And how do, how do you keep focus? Is that constant contact with you? How do you do it? Constant contact, they have accountability, they have that hand-holding, hand-holding, mm-hmm. look at it like a road trip across America, perhaps, you're driving from one end of the country to the other, there's certain spots along the way that you'd like to see, it's not just we're going to go from LA to New York, we're probably going to stop off at the Grand Canyons, you're going to stop off at some other landmark all throughout the country, so have some kind of like lily pads to jump to, it is a journey, and you'll, some places you'll stay a little while. Maybe you stop, stay in whatever state it is for a little while, stay in Chicago, yep. stay in Ohio and stay there a minute and just have a view of the land. It's, it's okay. It's not a, race. not a race. You're on your way. You're making efforts. You're moving forward at, at your pace. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. They have different bodies, different makeup. Let's just do what we're doing and just take one foot at a time. Kind of like how I do hikes if it's uphill and I don't really love hikes. I don't keep worrying about the end point. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I just keep moving. And every now and then, I might stop and look back and say, wow, look at that view. That's incredible. We came that far. Look how far we've come. Now, I I would expect that you'd have some really strong relationships in your line of work now. Tell us a little bit about how important they are. You know, as the beauty of working with women is it's never just about one thing you will get involved in their lives and they'll got to get involved in yours. You'll know about their spouses or their children or their cat or their home or their <laughs> remodel or whatever it is, a new car. And it's, it's a place where women, it's important. Women relate in a way that I know they do. And it's important that they have that connection with you because you're talking about their body and their body image. It's very personal. Yep. So they need to feel safe and that they can trust you and there's no judgment and we're on this together and we're making progress and we're going to get there however we get there. And they will they will tell you all kinds of things. Women just do. I think we're just wired that way. Yep. We need to have that shareability, that connectivity. And it's a beautiful thing. I, I really love it. Absolutely. Your focus seems to be around, Lee, on physical movement, movement of the body. Tell us yes. about the importance of nutrition and diet. Do you, do you delve into that area as well? Totally. So I'm very much... A, a nutrition coach also as well as a personal training so there's a saying that you can't outrun your mouth it took me a long time to figure out what that <laughs> meant <laughs> but it's going to be it's more about what you eat than it is the movement so you can do all kinds of crazy exercises but if your diet's off um you'll Makes get no some difference. success yeah yeah it's you it's gonna you got to clean up the eating act basically look at that eat whole foods I look at the whole person as holistically and just keep it simple. No special diet, but we are going to need to make some tweaks here and there. 
based on what that individual wants to do. But I have them being more of an educated consumer. Yeah. Let's look at what we're eating because sometimes we just don't know. And there's so many messages out there. Sometimes it's hard to decipher what's real, what's true and what's not. So I was thinking about this earlier. I'm wondering what one important thing do you think your daughters have learned from you about mm. diet, exercise and nutrition? <laughs> yes. So they've definitely, they grew up watching me uh, exercise and train. They went to the gym with me before they were uh, of school age. So that, that to them is just normal. That's normal. what they do. Yep. You know, you know, you've rubbed off on them when one day you go into the, the playroom and you see them, they push the coffee table out the way, <laughs> they put a tape in, an exercise tape in, and they've got their own little bizarro <laughs> exercise attire, and they're doing exercises with, with Elmo or whoever that's I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh that's great feedback now i'm 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 wondering you know uh when you do meet somebody um you do obviously have an onboarding process you would do somewhat of an i guess a, a current check or a, an audit Correct. on where they're at um Correct. what is that process and what does it look like yeah so i want to make sure they're a good fit to work with me they do need to be committed to making the steps and doing the action and Yes, there is some element of coachability and support and handholding, but you still have to you still have to show up, right? You've got yeah. to be there and and be coachable. Essentially, you want the help, you want the change. I love getting into the mindset part of the whole coaching because that's mostly where the challenge lies. Mm -hmm. And so, getting into getting into her head and knowing that I understand the struggle because I've struggled myself. Yeah. Let's work past those so we can make the better choices so we can feel better. So the, we do an, an, an audit call essentially where she'll tell me what she needs, what she's looking for. I tell her what to offer and we decide if we're a good fit. Fantastic feedback. Now in all of this, um, where are people likely to find you? Where's the best place to go? So I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group as well as a nutrition page and then also on Instagram. I meet a lot of people on Instagram um, at Coaching by Lee and that is also a great place, especially as I do lives and then that will pick up a new people that come through and pick up on that. So that's also a great platform as well, as well as LinkedIn as well. Absolutely great feedback. Now also, if they want to visit your, uh, your primary website, what's that website again? So that's Be Coached by Lee. Dot com. Well, that's beautiful feedback. This has been such a wonderful call. If you're on the call today and you're listening in, you're thinking, hey, this sounds like something that could benefit me, certainly reach out to Lee. No matter where you see this interview or hear this interview for that matter, uh, you'll find the links back to Lee and Instagram and Facebook and her primary website, which is uh, becoachedbylee.com. Just click the link, um, catch up with Lee and go from there. So with all that being said, Lee, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Absolutely. I thank you for your time, Rick. I appreciate you today. Great questions. And it was so wonderful to connect with you.